Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yes, yes, happy freaking new year, and welcome to the very first affirmative murder of 2019. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What's up? Um, what I want to do really quick is, before we jump into the shits, it's uh, we got a lot to talk about today. I want to give a quick rest in peace to uh, Jasmine Barnes. Uh, she was, for those of you who weren't following the story, it came out six days ago. She was killed on New Year's Eve, I believe, either the 30th or the 31st. People, uh, Her mother was leaving a grocery store parking lot. And she, somebody fired shots into her car. She, I think she was hit, and Jasmine Barnes was also hit. I think there was another child in the car as well. Jasmine Barnes uh, passed away from her injuries, and it was believed at first that it was a hate crime of some kind because the mother identified the guy as a white guy who she cut somebody off, and then he came around and shot her. Mm. Um, today, uh, which is, uh, what's today's date? January the 6th. Uh, a young man named something black was charged with capital murder. He is a 20-year-old African-American kid, so the story, the way that it came out originally, was seems to not be true. But a little girl was still murdered on on mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, and that's a tragedy. And the you know community kind of rallied around, and money was being thrown around for tips, and people were trying to offering thousands of dollars for any kind of as a reward for tips and everything and they were able to catch a suspect um they believe it might have been gang related in some kind of way there are not a ton of details as of right now but there is a suspect in custody and so i wanted to give a quick rest in peace to jasmine barnes so so there's no reason right now they don't know why no i mean you know it's just all speculation people think it might have been a gang thing or you know (laughs) maybe they knew each other or something they it's all everything I'm saying right now is speculation, so I don't even want to say too much of it because I don't I don't know. But what what it se- what it seems as right now, or maybe they thought it was somebody. Maybe they didn't, didn't know. Maybe they thought it was somebody else's cars looked the same. But what it seems as right now is the whole hate crime narrative wasn't true. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a white man that shot this little black girl. So let's let's stop spreading those. Like if you see this on Facebook and you haven't heard of Jasmine Barnes and you just see this little girl's this beautiful little girl's photo and it says white man kills seven-year-old girl but the date on the article is from last month or from a week ago you're spreading fake news and that's not true Mm. and we should mourn this little girl but not use her as some kind of tool to get mad at white people or Mm. something like that or race relations make them even worse than they already are she was murdered and that's tragic 
but it seems as of right now that it wasn't some like evil white man that just shot her because she was black. That's not what this is. Um, anyways, we finally let's try to move on from that. Uh, and it's guys, it's gonna be a roller coaster today. So let's go up, and we're gonna go bring you right back down. Uh, I want to give a shout out to two lovely listeners, three lovely listeners who sent us um, some gifts over the holidays. Um, first things first, I want to give a thank you to a lovely Miss Antoinette. Antoinette Rogers, who sent us a lovely Christmas card that said, uh, Fran and Alvin, it's to Fran and Alvin and the family, wishing you and your AM family a wonderful holiday season. Thank you for the hours of entertainment. All of your hard work is appreciated. Love, Miss Rogers. And thank you so much. I love to just, I mean, I don't think it's hard work because like I said, we, we come in here and I do a podcast with one of my best friends and we talk about things that I'm really interested in. And we have, and it sparked so many wonderful conversations that have changed my view of the world and enlightened me in ways. And so, I mean, yeah, editing is not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like of all the things, that's probably the thing I like. I like I like the least. But doing this podcast is not hard work for, for us at all. I mean, I've really enjoyed doing this. So that that um, I I have no problem doing that, and I hope to continue doing it. I hope you guys continue to love it. Now, moving on to our next package that we received um came from the lovely katie and kelly rule uh they left us a card that included our new co-host of serial and serial sierra fat so i had to go get her from downstairs and um let her know hey you're included in this mm-hmm. so uh the card from them says dear friend and alvin sierra and the families merry christmas from the rule twins katie made the life-saving pamphlet which i will be putting up on the instagram uh and i did the rest Thanks for the laughs. Hashtag Team Baldwin. That's a joke from a Serial and Serial episode. Hashtag USPS and hashtag BDE. That's Big Dick Energy. There's nothing toxic or masculinity about that. Um, Women can have Big Dick Energy too. It's 2019. Uh, Big Dick Energy is just a state of mind. It is just a confidence that exudes from you without uh, having to Mm -hmm. be talked about. You just kind of know it. You know, almost as the, it's like a metaphorical bulge in your pants. Mm-hmm. It's that big dick energy that anybody can grab hold of and really uh, exude upon the world in a way that uh, people just kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And it's not doesn't have to be said. You know, real confidence is it doesn't have to. You don't tell people you're confident. People just feel that you're confident. Yeah, that's what big dick energy is. Anyways, mm-hmm. they. Well, okay. I don't. Um, I want to give credit where credit is due. Katie made the pamphlet. Okay. Kelly laced us in Trader Joe's paraphernalia out the yin-yang crackers and peanut butter cups and birthday cake popcorn, which I've never seen in Trader Joe's, and I have a lifetime membership card. So I don't know if it's the Trader Joe's in Florida or what, but you came through with exclusive stacks. We got cheddar trees. I don't even know what that is, man. Um, so I really want to thank uh, both the Rural Sisters for the lovely pamphlet and the wonderful Trader Joe's care package, because one of those is always appreciated. She even got cat food for uh, my three-legged cat. Oh, damn. Shout out to Theodore. Theo. And now, with all that out of the way, let's talk about uh, the biggest story of the weekend, honest. I mean, there's not anything else big. I don't Could really... wait, huh? Yeah, no, I don't, I, don't <laughs> even, I, don't even have, I don't even have a good segue. Um, I don't know how funny the next... It could be an hour. I don't. I, I don't want it to be. I want to go on with the. You know. We, you know what we do here. We talk about fucked up shit and we talk about you know murders and all this kind of stuff. But this R. Kelly documentary, uh, surviving R. Kelly, has been the talk of the internet 
since Thursday night, and uh, I can't stop thinking about it. And I couldn't think – as I'm watching it, it made me think of so many um, situations that I've had in the Facebook group and conversations that I've had and things that have been happening on Twitter and all these kind of things that um, – first of all, I want to say the surviving, the surviving R. Kelly documentary, I think it should be mandatory that every man, especially black men, sit down and watch this documentary because it answers – any kind of uh, questions or doubts or anything that you might have, because um, as a black community, we kind of take our figures that we hold high and we, um, the victims come out and we automatically go to skepticism where it's like, I don't know, man, but, you know, but R. Kelly may step in the name of love. I don't know, man, but the Cosby show is great. So I don't really know if that lady just wants his money and all this kind of stuff. And we even had a discussion about this that turned into a whole thing. And I think it was a learning experience. We don't need to even need to go back down that road. But this documentary touched on all of those things to where if you are a person who held views like that, I feel like it could be eye opening for you to go, oh, wow. I mean, like, this is why victims don't come out and say anything or like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I can understand what the power dynamic is. You know, it touched on a lot of things. It, um. I really think that it's over for R. Kelly now, even though this documentary starts, the first episode starts in like 1990 and the last episode is up to now. So it's 30 years of all these things, all these situations this dude has eluded and survived through by coming out with a hit song and all this kind of stuff. I think that I don't see how you could watch this and want to hear his music anymore. I just, I really, I really don't see how that could be the case, but um, I want to just, step by step go through all the different things that i said and the things that i felt like it touched on and just kind of have a conversation about them with you fran uh mm -hmm. the first thing that um i the the documentary did a good job touching on is the idea of intersectionality so like intersectionality is like it's hard for a woman right mm -hmm. and it's hard for black people what about for a black woman you know where it's like the struggle of being a woman and the struggle of being a black person now those two things have crossed into where now this 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 specific sect of person is more marginalized than anybody mm. because they get the downside of being a woman and the downside of being black and all of R. Kelly's victims were black and brown women, mm. you know. So um, I thought that it really, if you didn't understand the concept of intersectionality, where um, two two things can be in one, and that could be a whole different conversation to where. A woman, like a white woman, there's different conversations being had with black women and the struggle of being a woman than there are with white women and being a woman, you know? So um, the idea that um, the woman who started the, um, the Me Too movement, shout out to her, uh, I wrote her, Tarana Burke, who the whole Me Too movement was the big thing that came out. She actually started the Me Too movement 10 years ago and Hollywood kind of co-opted it from her and took it and turned it into something else mm. not bad but it took it from her and excluded her and kind of took away the original message that she created the me too movement for mm. and that is a situation where white feminism kind of came in saw something happening that a black feminist is doing and then went i like that um can we can we play and then took it and put their hands on it and then molded it into something that that wasn't Tarana's original uh, pur purpose, you know? So I like that she was kind of um, put at the forefront of this documentary and got to speak and really be so eloquent, which is what she is. And I think she deserves a platform more often to just kind of really just explain to 
people, but men specifically and black men specifically, like, yo, this shit is real. We're not lying. We're not. This is how it works. It's more complicated than just a woman wanted money or whatever. Listen. And I think that's this documentary did a good job of that. Just going like, listen, like this dude used to hang out across the street from the high school when he Mm -hmm. got famous and just pretend like, hey, I'm R. Kelly. You want to hang out with a superstar and then use his stardom and his power to lure in people who didn't have as much power as him and who saw him as like this huge figure. Mm. And so that leads into the power dynamic, which was something for me, I would go, I mean, like if I own a business and then I hire somebody and, but she's pretty and we end up dating, like what's wrong with that? I mean, I don't, what's wrong with that. Right. Um, so that doesn't sound that bad. Right. But this documentary shows you like the worst possible version of that, which is I'm famous. I can make you famous. Do what I say. And so a girl might go, well, I do want to be a singer. And this is R. Kelly. So I'll go backstage with him because like I don't want to ruin my chance Mm -hmm. of becoming famous. So that's not fair, you know. And that was something that I feel like I'm a pretty open minded person. And I I felt like I understood what women were saying about the power dynamic. But then when you see it in its worst possible form, you go, oh, well, yeah, that's that's really fucked up. He's using that he's, quote unquote, higher on the totem pole than a person to get them to do things that they might not have said yes to if he wasn't who he was. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have kids. Um, I don't have a daughter as a person who has a daughter. I know that you are you're like two in of the seven, right? Yeah. Um, uh, as a person who has a, a daughter, um, I think that you now, even just two episodes in, but by the time you finish, will have a different even perspective than me because you saw a lot of parents being like, well, I heard about the Aaliyah thing, but he's R. Kelly and my daughter loves to sing, so maybe he can help her career. A lot of looking past things that might have been red flags because of who the person was. And I remember having a conversation with you like when Sophia was like a little bit of a baby because she was a cute baby. And you got you were talking about like maybe getting into some baby modeling or whatever, mm-hmm. or Instagram or whatever the case may be. I've known you since I was a kid. And I think that when it got to the situation, if it ever got to the situation where somebody goes, yeah, you know, we can make Sophia a star. Now just drop her off and then you come pick her up in like an hour and a half it would be like, no, what the hell are you, you know? Right. Like, am I, am I, I mean, right, I mean, oh. obviously, obviously I'm, I'm writing what I'm saying, yeah. but I'm just going to throw it to you to just be like, from that perspective of a parent, um, when you saw people saying, well, you know, we heard, but, or, you know, uh, you know, yeah, we thought it was weird, but how did that make you feel as a parent? As a parent, uh, off, I mean, no, I wouldn't, I'm not dropping my daughter off. Not even just my decision, but Steph wouldn't yeah. allow one because you know we care about her, and two, she Steph been through some things where it's like she's like, no, that's yeah, not for sure. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm not letting my however old she is. I'm not dropping my daughter off to especially to model. Yeah, like, yeah, because so not, like it's based on physical yeah, looks and yeah. dressing them and changing their clothes and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's just watching that was rough, man. I didn't. Yeah. I, a lot of stuff I learned a lot of stuff from watching that even that he was a musical genius I didn't know he was like that like with music 
Yeah. Like he he wrote the song for Michael. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was new. Well, to he me. didn't write because he can't read or write because he's fucking stupid. But that <laughs> I guess that does lend to. Well, you know what I mean. It, that does lend. Even me saying that does lend to like, oh wow, he got in a room with Michael Jackson yeah. and he can't read or write. No. That's how good he is at making music. Of right. Some kind, you know? But all the other shit, I was like the whole Aaliyah thing. I think the whole Aaliyah thing was just. It was okay. a failure. It was okay, a, it was a, but yeah. it was just like. We're gonna sweep that under the rug. Kind that of was thing. a that was a big failure on society, and I'm not. I was that was like '96, so I wasn't even in the conversation. Exactly. I was four years right. old, so right. I, I don't feel accountable on that end. Mm-hmm. But any journalist who was like, "Ooh, so are you guys dating or brothers?" Or, to even say that to a 28 year old man sitting next to a 15 year old girl while they're dressed the same, mm-hmm. and you know, but they're the, being but, mysterious about it. Oh, we're just friends good friends and you know that is our business yeah but the thing about what what pushes what separates that is because they both was public figures they was she was a beautiful girl she was a singer and then he was you know at the top he was r kelly so it was just like yeah she's young but i mean these are two top artists you know dating so yeah he thought it was cute i guess you could say i feel like that's what that's what made it not as big as it was then now that's definitely what it did right but it says something about the times, because that would not fly now. If, I don't if know. Drake, if Drake, and this also, I remember I got into a thing uh, with a girl who ended up leaving the um, Affirmative Murder Facebook group because there was a thing that came out where the star of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. her name's Millie Bobby Brown, she went on a red carpet and was like, oh yeah, I text Drake all the time. I love Drake. We're like friends and, you know, we care about each She's other. She's like 17 or something like that? She's like 15. Okay. She's like 15. Right. And people started calling Drake a pedophile and saying that he was grooming this girl. Mm-hmm. I defended Drake because I go, I mean, they both, they're both they both in Hollywood. He's a big time th- celebrity. He was a child actor. There are things that he could teach her. And, I, and it, as a man, that was my mistake of being like, grooming? I, what? It's Drake. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, no, Drake. But then you watch this, and and again, I'm I'm a I'm not I'm not saying Drake groomed that girl, but as a woman who may have either been groomed and sexually assaulted or felt like they had been tried to be groomed at any point in their life, which is probably a lot of women, mm-hmm. you know, to see that is such a red flag and so triggering for me to come in and be like. What you're crazy? I don't I think as a that guy could like, though that you could, you could be the only one to think that though. For sure, no, there were women saying the same thing. Right, but I'm just saying as a guy, it's a very specific point of view because as a guy, I've never no woman has ever like, and it happens. Uh, this another thing this documentary taught me is that like hurt people hurt people, and somebody sexually assaulted R. Kelly, and that might have may have contributed to who he is now. But a woman can sexually assault a young boy. Yeah, so a young boy can be groomed. But in the black community, it's not looked at like that. It's like you give that kid a high five, and that's something we need to work. We need to stop that. What do you mean? Like uh, a kid losing his virginity at thirteen to a eighteen year old girl oh, is okay. like, damn man, high five man. Oh, you are the man. And it's yeah. like, no, that child was raped. Like yeah. that is sexual. Ass- that boy was sexually assaulted. But in the in the male community, and you know, in the black com- in the black male community, it's very much like. I mean, I remember losing my virginity. I mean, I'm, you know, look. You know, I, I use this as therapy. I can be honest. Like, I remember losing my virginity. I lost my virginity when I was like sixteen or fifteen, and you had already lost your virginity before me. Hmm. But you had lost your virginity. But like, I'm sixteen, so you lost your virginity before me, and and I felt like, damn man, like I don't even know if I wanted to have sex. It was like, well, no, but like everybody else did. Yeah. And it's like losing your virginity at thirteen is crazy. I, you didn't lose your, virginity, but but I'm just saying, like, for me to be sixteen and be like, damn, man, I'm old, like that. 
gotta, <laughs> I gotta, for my own sake of not being ridiculed, I need to do this, yeah. you know? And so I think that's something that we need to work on in just male community in, in general, but specifically the black male community, because I see that more firsthand where kids are being, you know, trying to being sexualized at 11. That's what playing. makes it worse. That's what makes yeah. me so scared. It's, it's, it's getting worse. Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and it was pretty bad when we were kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I remember being a kid and like playing hide and go freak. It's like we're 11 and we're hiding in the dark and then like dry humping uh, at, at like 12, 11 years old. And it's like, who's who taught that? Who made this game? Up? And this is before social media. Now that everything is out there for kids to see, it's, like it's, it, it's, everything is heightened and, and, and it's and, crazy and everything becomes more normalized yeah. and sexual sexuality becomes more normalized. I'm not telling anybody that sex is bad because I think sex is great and and if it's consensual and both parties agree, then it is a beautiful thing. But a lot of these kids are being introduced to sex at an age where they're not ready to process it or comprehend the emotional things that come behind it. And you and then you end up in the R. Kelly situation where R. Kelly was introduced to sex at like 11. Now he and I'm not R. Kelly. But I'm a I'm a I'm a um, I'm a couch therapist mm. and I try to and I try to analyze people and try to figure out what's going on. And I genuinely believe that because R. Kelly was sexually assaulted at such a young age, it it bastardized the idea of sex for him. And it just, it just became something that goes, I mean, I don't I don't really I didn't love her and I wasn't ready to have sex. But whatever it was, it felt good. Yeah. So he chased that feeling and it was like it felt good to me. So whenever I want to have sex, it's not about love. It's not about intimacy. It's not about uh, me and this person have a connection. I like the physical act of having sex. And I would I would wager, nobody said it in a documentary, whoever sexually assaulted him was like 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. And so now he kind of is, he kind of is uh, like trapped in that adolescence forever where it's like, no matter how old he gets, he likes that kind of girl because that's the kind of girl that, introduced him to sex yeah. you know what's weird about you know for a kid to be dealing with that stuff and then they don't they don't know mentally you know what exactly they're doing or what he's getting these kids to. i remember one time i was at work <clears throat> and i had to go into the library to, to use the bathroom mm -hmm. and i seen this this young girl i don't know how old she was she was young though i don't think maybe she's like like 13 maybe yeah and she was watching porn on the computer but it's like I, and then to me, I was like, she doesn't, she doesn't, doesn't know what understand what that is. She doesn't know what she's watching. It's just, it's just, it's just uh, the interest. Yeah, but I was like, you can't even really comprehend what's happening at thirteen. And I'm like, you know, it's just more the curiosity of it. And then you got, it's, and but it's, it's you, you know, can on the computer. Do that on, yeah, you can do that on your own. Yeah, in the library, you know, the computer is just, it's, it's a, a it's open. area. Yeah, it's out people open. sitting around, like, I guess nobody is seeing. But I'm like, yeah. she doesn't know that what she's, she's not. I'm not saying it's like you said, you know, it's wrong, but yeah. she's not supposed to do it. You know, right. At the age yeah. and out in the open like yeah. that. But it's just, I was like, she doesn't even and know. And she doesn't even know what seeing those images that, at that exactly. age are, is doing to the back of her mind. I was you like, know? That is, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. Th this whole, do this documentary, it just brought up so many yeah, conversations for mm. me that um were gross. Everything about this is gross. This man is a monster. Um. Nothing about this is okay. Uh. It brought up the conversation of separating the art from the man. You can't do this with R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's impossible. You can't watch this. And again, this is over the span of 30 years. So we all kind of knew. We all knew R. Kelly was a nasty fuck. Mm -hmm. And this happened. But then I believe I Can Fly came out. And then this happened. But then Step in the Love came out. So it's like, yeah, but like 
Step in the name of love is amazing. I danced yeah. that at my wedding, so you blaze past it. Mm. But in reality, this man peed on a child in a sex tape that he recorded. He's recorded a who knows how many girls. There's only survivors in the documentary, but who knows how many girls are survivors that didn't come forward and didn't want to be involved, you know? Yeah. So I can't even say a number of how many girls he's like videotaped without their consent, had sex with where they go, I wasn't really, I didn't really want to have sex, but he wa he wanted to have sex, so... I had sex with him, you know? That's rape, you mm -hmm. know? If it wasn't consensual, that's rape. And he filmed it. And and who knows where these tapes are? Because I know he kept them. He, I'm he, surprised they didn't resurface yet. Well, I'm sure he's got them under lock and key. Because also, what's also gross in this, that the other conversation that it tackled is the infrastructure of Hollywood and money behind mm. somebody that makes money for people. Mm. So because R. Kelly in his prime was making hundreds of millions of dollars for people, he had a wrangler. He had a he had a, like a guy who was an adult man who R. Kelly would be at the shows and he would go, I like her, her, and her. And this man, a grown man, knowing how old these girls were, would go and, hey, man, R. Kelly wants to see you in the back. Wrangle 15-year-old girls to bring back to R. Kelly. He had people who would, you know, get them to sign NDAs people to drive them, people to put them up in apartments, people to keep an eye on them. This was a whole infrastructure that this guy has built and designed with people involved. Yeah. Demetrius Smith is a guy in, in this documentary. Fuck him. He's disgusting. Which one was that? That was the guy who was his assistant who made like fake marriage papers. Yeah, he like okay. made the fake marriage papers that Aaliyah signed for them to get married. Yeah. And then he's sitting in this documentary like, yeah, I mean, I didn't really like that, but you know. It he was sure he did. Yeah, you know, you were complicit. Check. Yeah, exactly. You were complicit. You were receiving a check to do these things, and you're disgusting. His brother, Bruce Kelly, I hate to see a man in jail, but he's right where he needs to be because he's disgusting. And so he, he was defending that guy. Oh, he was 100% defending <laughs> that guy. His, his direct quote was, uh, I prefer older women, yeah, and he yep. prefers younger women. Yeah. You know, why are we sitting here attacking people for their sexual huh? preferences? Liking children is not a sexual preference, um, Bruce. Okay, Bruce. The part was the part that was weird to me. I was like, it's just the whole thing so nasty. Yeah, it was the whole part of him, not even a high school thing. It was the the mall thing. It's like, what, why are you? Yeah, hanging out at malls. Walking around the mall. Yeah, with your entourage. What are you? And he'd, walk, you he'd probably walk around the mall and be like, I like her. Yeah, go that's give, the, that's, the, her, that's weird. Number and every but the thing is when you got when you put it under the guise of like, hey, I'm R. Kelly. You look like you can sing or you have that look. You ever thought about being a model or a singer? It's like, oh my God, what, R. Kelly? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, cool, come to my hotel tonight. And then you come in that hotel. Think about, like, I don't have a kid. But it's so not... I'm, yeah, like, you have a kid, so I just, I just, I just want to paint this picture for you, and I, and I don't see how you couldn't want to murder somebody. Imagine somebody telling your kid that they are great at something, and come meet me here, and I will make your dreams come true. And then they come there ready to have all their wildest dreams come true, and ready to perform or whatever. And then they, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then the, 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 the girl walks in and she goes, so, like, what do you want me to do? Like, sing or what? Are they? Yeah, 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 we'll get to that. Um, Suck my dick. You know? And it's like, mm. and to be in that moment and think, oh, well, I mean, I want my dreams to come true. So, like, I don't want to leave because, like, this could be my only opportunity to, to make this happen. So, uh, all right, I'll suck his dick. I don't really want to, but, like, I'll suck his dick. Cause I I just want this part to be over so that we can get to the making the music part. You know I, I want to get to that part, and I mean it broke my heart, man. Like it was the it was just the saddest it was the saddest thing to hear these women say I thought it was this, mm. and he lied to me. Yeah. He he 
he told me he was going to make me a star. He told me he was going to make me a background singer. And I showed up and he not only didn't talk about that, he brought me there purely for the purpose of having sex. Yeah. Not to go to dinner, not to date, not to woo, to come into this apartment, take your clothes off, and we're going to have sex right now. Yeah, that's it. And, and then he had these these guys going, we walk around the mall. You're 30 years old walking around the mall with these grown-ass men behind you. Oh, go back and go back and get her. You know, the one that was in the green T-shirt or something like that. Yeah. It's like... That shit is yo. It, Everything I was there. I was shocked. I was I was shocked, man. I was like, this guy. Yeah, he got molested when he was a child, but I, there I'm are not, people I'm not, ta- been, I'm not taking that as an excuse. There are people who have been sexually assaulted and molested as children who don't go on to do this. And I'm not saying that it's some kind of formula where it's like, boop boop boop, sexually assaulted, boom boom boom, and then you hit a crossroad which where you choose not to sexually assault or choose to do it. But that's not an excuse. Right. It is an awful thing that happened to him. Yeah. But and his brother and whoever else. And but. yeah, and whoever else. And hurt people hurt people. But the R. Kelly sympathy train is long derailed. Mm. You know, if he would have if somebody would have pulled him up and, and tried to help him after the Aaliyah situation, maybe we could go, well, maybe that was like a mistake and um, you know, we can he try was to in learn the top to of the world though. You no, can't tell yes, him nothing. Nobody's gonna tell that man. <laughs> there was not a point in this man's life until right now. With the, it was kind of this, the, the crazy thing is when you, when you get to the seventh episode, you'll see, but like the, the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement kind of came alive at the perfect moment to where you're pointing your fingers at all these people in Hollywood and then a story pops up where it's like, oh, R. Kelly has a sex cult. And then you go, er? And you go, oh, R. Kelly's still doing shit? Because, you know, you kind of forget about him. Everybody's kind of, he's not in the public eye as much anymore. Mm-hmm. So Step in the Name of Love comes on and you can still dance to it. Or, yeah. you know, uh, the remix to Ignition comes on mm-hmm. and you can still dance to it because it's like we all kind of forgot. Mm-hmm. The trial was over. He started making music again. Everybody forgot about that. And it was whatever he was doing, which he was still doing. Yeah. From Because t- the trial was in 2011. From 2011 to 2000 na- now, 2016 specifically though, when he the sex cult thing came out, he was still doing all this fucked up shit, but it was he was more quiet and calculated mm-hmm. about it. But then this this uh, one of his sex cult people get out, mm-hmm. and the story comes up, and it's like, oh, this dude's still doing gross shit. Oh no, mute R. Kelly, cancel R. Kelly. Da 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 da. It it combines into the Me Too Times Up movement. But wasn't it, wasn't it in a part where he was just like he came out like recently, like a year or two ago, and he was just like, yeah, I date. Yeah. Young. Well, he was. He but was that's trying what he, to. He what he said was R. Kelly will try to twist it and go. Yes, the girl I'm dating is 19. We are in love, and people need to just mind their business. Right. I'm not hurting anybody. She's of age, right. but he's not telling you that he's brainwashed these women. Uh, that yeah, these, all that shit was. He's got women doing co- going on camera with scripts. One of the girls who oh, was I his one of the girls who was his uh one one of his victims who he still has with him as far as I know, uh went on TMZ and was talking to the camera like and they're asking her questions. And she's like, no, no, I'm here on my own free will. And they asked her, like, well, can you leave? And you can see on her shirt a shadow going, like, across the neck. Like, don't don't, don't answer that. No, 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 no. And she goes, uh, I'm not going to. No, I'm not discussing that. The question was, can you leave? And she turned. She acted like they asked, like, so, like, uh, tell us about the first time you smoked weed. And it's like, oh, <laughs> no, that's. Whoa, okay, guys, let's, you're crossing the line. I right. can't answer questions like that. It's like, they were asking you if you could leave of your own free will. This whole documentary is, is just disgusting, man. Um, I, as a person who is, I've never experienced any kind of trauma sexually or any kind of thing like that. 
this was triggering and and hard to watch for me. So for anybody who hasn't watched it, if you have experienced anything like that, I am I am offering a warning that I don't think Lifetime does a big enough one. They don't really say like, hey, look, if you've been through some stuff, this is going to be hard to watch. It was to the point where people was like, nah, I don't want to, I don't even want part of it. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to be That is crazy. People was like, nah. Yeah, it's toxic. But you know, that says a lot about somebody going, I don't want to look like a hypocrite, A, because if I've done music with this person in the past, I've done whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times people go, what what about what's in my past? So I don't want to be on camera saying. And it's going to mess with what? Their money. You know, bing, 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 yeah. So it, it's, it's a lot of factors that play that into crazy, that. Man. But you know who wasn't scared to doing that? John fucking Legend. Yeah. I want to give a round of applause for John Legend. I know he said don't because R. Kelly's a piece of shit, and I'm I'm not a proud I'm not a a brave person for coming out and saying he's a piece of shit because that's what he is, and I, that made me go even more like yes, okay, yes, mm-hmm. John Legend. Like him doubling down on that made me made me go praise him even more for yeah. him to go. Everybody's praising John Legend. He's go, don't guys, don't praise me. He's a piece of shit, and I have no problem coming out saying he's a piece. Just like, oh, pr- even more praise. Take all the praise. Right. Uh, no, I just thought in a in a and even though this documentary is about the survivors, to have his peers come out and condemn him is a it's that's a big deal, and not a lot of them did it. No. John Legend came out and did it, and that's about all that's, I saw. Yeah. Charlemagne was in it, you know. I didn't get to that part. Yeah, well, Char- Charlemagne makes an appearance, you know, uh, but. Which some people had a problem with because of things um, Charlemagne has said and done in the past. But I want, another thing that I've been saying a lot with all these things that have been happening is that ten years ago was a different time. And I'm yeah. not here to defend Charlemagne because I don't know the extent of some of the things he said or done. So don't take that as that. But what I'm saying is the reasons people were putting up of like Charlemagne said this about black women in 2009. It's like 2009 was a long time ago. And if we're just canceling people and not giving people a chance to grow. That's not something I can get on board with. But, I mean, this got people riled up, man. You Shit was coming out. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. No, R. Kelly. All kinds of people. It was. Yeah, R. Yeah, oh, yeah. The guy they, from, was it, uh, AJ? I was like, Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. Damn. Yeah, well, well, but, but and, and I think that just, it, it goes to the power dynamic, man. A lot of times, if a person has more power than the other person, it doesn't that doesn't always lead to a consensual sexual experience or a consensual cheek grab or whatever you being in power. If you were just some dude at Walmart and you went up and grabbed a girl's butt, she might slap the shit out of you. Yeah. Maybe she wouldn't even then because it's like, well, I'm a, you know, I don't want to make a scene. Women are very, it's, it's, it, it, may, it breaks my heart. But a lot of times the story I hear is like, well, I didn't want to make it a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing a lot of women say when I hear that it breaks my heart. Like, yeah, he like fondled me here, but I didn't want it to become like a bigger thing. So I just didn't say anything. Now, imagine if the guy that you turn around, the guy that squeezed your ass was Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, uh, um, what if I say I didn't want him to, women are going to call me liar. Men are going to call me a liar. Like, what do you mean? Michael B. Jordan, he's got abs. He yeah. was in the Black Panther movie. Yeah. Of course you wanted him to squeeze your ass, you know? So it's this whole thing of like women not being believed and not wanting to go up against such a juggernaut of a person. Yeah, it's, it's for just, men. Men are sick, man. Like once you get you get power, you get power. You get told you're great. Yeah, and then you money. Your ego is just. I, I mean, can have anything I want. Ain't nobody gonna tell you nothing. He's the epitome of that. There are there are there are men who got all of these things and might might have been sex addicts, but there's a consensual way to go about it to where you go. Oh, I know every girl that I, I, I am a human. 
Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I might have all these things, and I might be able to just casually throw a girl on a plane and bring her out to Sandro Pay for a weekend, and that might make me seem better than all the other men she's messing with, so she might be more attracted to me. Mm-hmm. But I always make sure she has a good time. I treat her like a person, and I make sure she gets home safely. You know, there are plenty of like sex symbols in Hollywood that banged a lot of women, mm-hmm. but did it in a way where it was like, oh, not a wo- there's not a woman who could come out and say like. I didn't treat them like a human being. Right. You know, just because you have money and power and access and all these kind of things doesn't mean that women are just holes and men, you know, because, you know, it happens both ways. But, like, you can't just treat people like your playthings because you like to have sex and you have money. Mm-hmm. You got to treat people like people, man. And he did the opposite of that. Yeah. I'm not even just, this, this is me saying this to That's a, not, that, yeah, this is me saying this to opposite, a guy who's like a womanizer. Yeah, the this opposite is, yeah, is a, keeping women in, keeping women in rooms. <laughs> Keeping women in rooms, they can't leave, yeah. making them call you daddy. That is the nastiest. Don't ever call me that. Yeah. I don't, That's an understatement. I love Sierra, and we will be together forever. But I'm just saying in general, don't call me that. Yeah. It's just so nasty to me because, a, because it makes me think like a woman who's okay doing that either has daddy issues or is okay giving a guy that kind of power, mm. you know? Well, I'm not saying like, in bed, you know, that's I, me personally. I don't like, I don't want to hear that. I'm not your dad. Yeah, I'm not your right. dad. Don't call me that. But I'm just saying like, R. Kelly would be like, call me daddy at this bar. Yeah. Call, and it was, it was a technique to train them. He would go call me daddy. Also, um, just ask me before you go to the bathroom. I like to know where you're going. And then it goes, okay. Okay. What? Okay, daddy. And then it's like, okay, now we'll move the state. We'll move the phase two. Now, don't do anything without telling me. Yeah. I want to know where and now. And now you've brainwashed these women and not feeding them. I mean, this man is evil, man. I don't even want. I don't even want. I don't even want to go into it anymore. I think we talked about it enough. Um, fuck that nigga, man. Like I mean, <laughs> like uh, seriously, like yeah. I, I mean, like uh, I don't really know what else to say. Like uh, I don't want to hear his music at weddings. I don't want to hear uh, any of his. I don't want to hear. I'm done. I don't want to hear him. His music is synonymous with raping young girls period i don't care how sexy bump and grind is it's about a girl it's about a young girl all of his songs are about that you know why because that's what he likes to have sex with so anything sexual involving r kelly music is about what he likes to have sex yes personal experience and what he likes to have sex with Mm. which is young girls so i don't want to hear that music it's disgusting and even in the happy music I don't want to hear it because he's disgusting. I don't want to hear I Believe I Can Fly. I don't want to hear Step in the Name of Love. I don't care how good the songs are. He's done. I don't want to hear him. People don't... De- I don't want to hear people defending him. I don't want to hear people saying, oh, y'all still listening to Step in the Name of Love, though. Like, the contrarian people who go, oh, y'all are all mad this weekend, but when Step in the Name of Love come on next weekend, y'all gonna dance to it. How about no? How about we don't put that out there? How about we all just say we're not listening to that shit anymore because fuck him because he's gross. Yeah. I mean, they, they set that documentary up well because the beginning was like, oh, yeah, you know, he couldn't read or write. It's like, oh, shit, how he make all this music? And then a half an hour later, you wonder, you, you see how he made all this yeah, music. Yeah, because all his music is just him, like, <laughs> just like spoken words, speaking yeah. out loud of things that he's experienced, you know? That's crazy. It, he's gross, you know? And I'll say one last thing. Well, no, I really want to say one of the things that broke my heart the most, you'll get to it at some point. Uh, and also, um, two women that people believe he still has with him, a woman named Jocelyn Savage and a woman named Osriel Carey. Um, now? Yes, now. Like, he travels with them, puts them in a hotel room, doesn't let them leave. They are his 
live-in girlfriends, quote unquote. They are his sex slaves. Um, her father, the her, 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 um, Carey. She, has, her parents were in the documentary. Uh, her mother's name, I want to say, was um, like like Angela, but her no, her her mother's name was like her father's name is Angelo, but they both had A names. Mm. They both sound like they're from Baltimore. And I want to, and Angelo Clary looks like if that, if R. Kelly would have walked in the room while he was recording his segment for that documentary, it looks like he would have destroyed him with his bare hands. <laughs> so I just want to say, I don't, this will never get to him, but Angelo Clary, you guys sound like you're from Baltimore. So, and and I could, you know how you just look in a guy's eyes. They're not, tr- they're not being boasting or anything like that. You're like, oh, you're a killer. Yeah. Like you will destroy somebody. That's the look this guy had in his eyes, and I don't want this to happen. But if the story ever comes out that R. Kelly is dead, it's because Angelo Clary went and got his daughter. And I want to say, man, don't don't do it. Don't don't let this man put you in that position. You can get your daughter back. Don't harm this man, man. Don't let him win by taking your freedom away. And that's just something I feel. Like if you see that moment, you look at him. He's such a rock. His wife is crying while she's telling the story about how he how he coerced her away from them, and now she won't come home. He's just stoned the whole time. He's not crying. He's not emotional. But if that if he sees that man, I think he will murder him. And I just don't want that for Angelo. He seems like a very strong dude. He seems like a mentally tough dude, and I don't I don't want anybody to lose their freedom over a piece of shit. And with that being said, I want to say one last thing, which is. I want people to stop saying to teach girls uh, that, you know, they they have uh, they matter and don't fall for boys and to stay away from this. We need to teach boys that raping women is not okay. It's not on women to, uh, hey, look, you are special and let don't let a boy tell you that to try to trick. That's all true, but it's not on the woman to be leery of rapists. It's mm-hmm. on the men to not be rapists. Yeah. So I just want to say that, like, stop saying, like, teach women this or tell women this. Tell them. No, tell the boys this. Tell boys from a young age, taking a woman's dignity is the worst thing you could ever possibly do. Don't do it. You are a worthless human being if you do it. And just embed that in people's heads and stop saying, oh, man, no, you know, you got to get the nookie, man. You got to have sex from a young age. No 10-year-old kid should be getting told, like, you know, man, you got to get, you got to fuck, like, now. Man, look, I was... How old was we when, like, eighth grade? 13. Eighth grade. 13. 13. My dad was like, ain't no girls going to wait. Period. <laughs> That's period. it. Period. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, period. None of that, like, all that shit you see in TV where it's like the daughter gets cussed out, but the son, uh, the dad comes in, it's like, hey, man. No. Well, you know, good My job. It's like, no, When you're man. young, you're like, I mean, why? I'm your son, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get older, you're like. I understand, yeah. you know. I don't, my dad was I, like, "No, ain't yeah. no, ain't happening." None of that, none of that, none of that crazy shit is happening <laughs> in my house that I hear about on TV. Y'all not bringing your friends nah. come bringing girls in here. Y'all all having sex with the girl, and now I'm implementing in some kind of case or something like that. Not y'all are not bringing girls it in my. Happen. It's not happening in nope. here. It wouldn't happen, you know. So just like, just let's just stop that. And I know we went on for a long time, but I just felt like. Um, that documentary touched on so many things that we've learned over the course of doing this podcast and so many things where we might have gone left when we should have gone right on some topics. It all was enlightening on all of those things. Like I said about uh, about why women don't come forward, about the power dynamic, about intersectionality between being a woman and being black. Uh, 
so many things. Um, grooming, which is disgusting. And when I hear that word, it just makes my skin crawl. Like the fact that he, you know, they say in many, many times in the documentary, the girl from the, the sex tape is like still involved with him. What's the, I didn't I don't know anything about the sex. Well, the girl from the the P tape. Oh, I didn't see it, but well, obviously I didn't <laughs> I didn't see it either. Nobody oh, nobody should I know look it talking up. about that. Yeah, yeah, nobody should look it up because that's that's looking for child pornography. Yeah. That's a federal crime. It is disgust and you're disgusting. Don't look it up. But the girl who was in that mm-hmm. is still dealing with him in some kind of way, and her family brainwashed, brainwashed and paid. Family got paid off. She came. She didn't testify in court. Her family said it wasn't her in court, and so they didn't have a case. They got a child didn't get to speak for herself, and now she continues to be abused because that's all she knows. It's just tragic, man. All of it's sad and gross. Um, you know, I uh, don't really have a way out of this, so I'm gonna play the good vibes music, and hopefully um, that turns things around a little bit. Uh, so. Here it is. <laughs> good, 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 good vibration. All right, guys, welcome to uh, the first Good Vibes segment of 2019. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit different this week. Somebody on the Affirmative Murder Facebook group put up a post that I thought was incredibly beautiful and uh, gave me good vibes and will probably give me good vibes to get out of this funk that I'm in from talking about R. Kelly for the last 30 minutes. And so I wanted to read that. The post was from uh, Terry Wolfgram. She is famously the woman who introduced us to Blue Baby. Um, Haunts my dreams, haunts my nightmares still to this day. Uh, So shout out to Terry Wolfgram. She put up a post that was like a movie i mean it was beautiful so the post says um i thought i'd share my personal good vibe story with you i'll try to keep it short in february 1996 i was working at video general store uh in my small hometown which is like crazy remember like we used to like go get a a tape on friday night Mm. you know two-day rental the new movie you know i remember when you couldn't you couldn't watch zoolander (laughs) <laughs> Blockbuster didn't have it yet, so you just don't you don't get to watch Zoolander yet, or like when Napoleon Dynamite came out, you know, like, well, no, by that point we had on demand, but still, movies where you're like, oh, you can't watch Independence Day, right. we don't have that yet, so you got to wait. Now kids can just go, I'm gonna watch this, then I'm gonna watch this, then I'm gonna watch this right after, I'm gonna watch all the movies that just came just out. Binge. Mm. There wasn't no binging in in '98. No. You got to wait till next week. You don't know if Piper is she survived the bullet wound on the season finale of Charmed. You just gotta wait till next week. Maybe Piper <laughs> survived. Maybe she didn't. You'll you'll find out next week. You don't just write next. You know next up in three seconds. Yeah. That's not happening. You got to find out a week from now. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, back to the video. She was working at Video General. Um, it was called a, what? Video General. Video General. Uh, a video store. Oh yeah. I was working at. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Video General. It's just Video Rental. I, I was okay. working at a Video Rental store. I don't know. It's not called Video General. It's just Video Rental Store. Uh, it was a Tuesday night shortly after Valentine's Day, right around the corner. Uh, make sure you guys get you some books, flowers from books.com. Uh, it was less than an hour until closing time. I was sitting at the counter reading. I thought that I'd heard uh, outer door open, but nobody came in. 
So I went back to my book. Shortly afterwards, there was a guy in a hood and a mask and a gun asking me for money. He was arrested the next day and was eventually sentenced to five years in prison. In May 2014, I was commenting on a friend's Facebook post. As I did, I saw the guy who had robbed me left a comment. That is crazy. Mm. Where you just see, like, like probably your heart skips a beat where you see that. Yeah. Like, somebody that has committed trauma upon me is like, oh, man, fuck the Eagles. <laughs> I'm just joking, man. You know? <laughs> uh, it's like, what? You're evil. Yeah. You know? Uh she said, I messaged my friend and asked her about him. She said that he seemed to have turned things around. She didn't realize that I was the person he had robbed. We chatted a while and she ended up calling him. She let him know that I wanted to con- that she let him know that if he wanted to contact me to apologize, that I was open to that. He said that he didn't want to do that. He wanted to do it the right way and meet. He told her that I could hit him or yell at him, whatever I needed to do, which is like, I mean, you can't fix what you did, but, like, he's coming at it with the right kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Like, I was 100% wrong. I, what I did was terrible. And whatever you need to do that you think may make you feel better, I'm your I'm your, um, port, I'm your, canvas. Say what you need to say to me. Do what you need to do to me. Um, and I will come and I'll accept that. So I, I respect that. It was a long five to six weeks until we could meet. We had plans to be in my hometown on Father's Day weekend, So we chose to meet then. Lots of my friends and family couldn't believe that I wanted to meet him. I had gotten over it years before, but for some of them, this was the first they had heard about the robbery. I was excited. The only time I panicked was as we entered my hometown. How am I going to greet him? What do I say? It was fine. Like, uh, that's pretty, like, I guess that's like, that's a pretty hard thing to think about where it's like, what do, what do I say? Like, eh, no big deal. You know, no harm, no foul. Like, no, I was fucked up what you did, but I'm over it. That's a hard way to, that's a hard emotion to try to convey. Yeah. You know, I, I had mean, a, already what she's doing, I wouldn't do, but. Uh, oh, she's a huge, she's a super big person. Yeah. I, I understand uh, that part of that a little bit because like um, me and my dad recently like, have gotten closer mm-hmm. and we had to have a, I had a conversation with him where it was like, yeah, no, you weren't a good dad, but like, you know, I'm an adult, man. Like I made it you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't like that that happened. Um, but I'm fine and we can move on from here. Yeah. You know? So it's like, no, what you did is I'm not, for, I'm not, I'm not absolving you of that, mm-hmm. but I forgive you for what you did and let's move on from here. Yeah. And that's hard to, I can understand, and I had, it was, it took several days before we had lunch where it was like me thinking about like, well, how do I say to somebody like, no, I want you to understand what you did to me was fucked up. Yeah. But I'm cool. Mm-hmm. It, it's cool now. It, it worked out, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's definitely a hard emotion to like put into words. So she said, as he walked into the room, I stood up and said, we meet again. Hmm. And out went my hand. As he shook my hand, he said, I didn't know if it would I didn't know if it should be a handshake or a hug. I said, hugs are good. And we hugged and the ice was broken. Now. uh, Listen, Terry, shout out to you, man, because like you came into this with such an open heart and such warmth where it was like I would have definitely been like super standoffish and immediately been like an interrogator, like mm-hmm. where it's like, OK, yeah, hey, hello. Um, So why? Why? Yeah. yeah why did you? 
what was your situation? Like, were, were you like super poor? Was somebody dying? Like you needed money, right? I need to know. But she's like, no, nah, man, whatever's cool. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so we meet again. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, how you been? You know, how's life? You know, yeah. so uh, shout out to you. She's it's a different person. Very, very warm. Um, I'd be like, hey, where he live at? I'm going to rob him. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, I, my brother's crazy. I'm going to yeah. call my brother. An eye for an eye. <laughs> uh, we talked for an hour or two. We would have talked longer, but his dad was downstairs with some of his kids. We had planned to meet at a park so the kids could run around for a while as we talked. Hmm. But it was a chilly and rainy day out, which has been like all year. I don't know if that's been like all around the country, but like in Baltimore, it's been raining like all forever. Blowing. It's just nasty. Uh, we, took a lot, we took lots of photos and are now Facebook friends. We don't chat much these days but do like each other's posts now and again. I told him that I had been mad that I had had to give up my love of true crime for a while after the robbery, which is like understandable because now you don't want to, it's probably hard to get sleep when you've been through something like that and now like read a bunch of stories about that happening to people because mm -hmm. you just keep seeing it over and over again happen to you yeah. and you don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so she had to give up her love of true crime for a bit. Um, but that I had gotten over that. My only issue with him now is that he's a Vikings fan. We're Packers fans, and neither of you are in the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, you both are losers, honestly. Yeah. You know, Go Cowboys. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Shout out to the Vikings. Shout out to the Packers. Uh, don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'm sad that my mom didn't live to see this. She loved stories like this, which clearly rubbed off on me and influenced me to make it happen. I turned my crazy I was robbed at gunpoint story into so much more. Here's a set of photos. On the left is a screenshot from the security video, which is like, how'd you get that? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, in the center is the is the photo of us watching the video. On the right is ah. us after taking it, uh, after talking, I don't know about getting that. ready to leave. So you think they were like, man, it was crazy. I came in, you know, he's like, man, you know, I didn't even have bullets in that gun. That's awkward. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, nah, I couldn't sit couldn't there. And that yeah, that's the, I mean, she, I mean, very mature. Nah, very, I couldn't do that one. Very mature in every aspect of it. I don't know how she got the video. She still had the, well, I guess she got the still from the video footage, but like, damn, how'd you still have that? On an iPhone? Know. You got the, 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 the footage from a video store in the 90s on an iPhone? Shout out to you. She had to talk them into watching that. I feel like she had to. I, mean, I don't man, think he I've, would. I've grown. Yeah, I don't think he would yeah. want to watch that. Um, nah. I'm like, I've grown, man. I don't want to. But maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we'll get an up. We'll get uh. an update. Um, but shout out to Terry Wolfgram. Um, I, yeah. I really wanted to really wanted to share that. That was good. Uh, um, that was crazy, man. I, again, I don't know if I have the, like the the the, the forgiveness to just nah, sit down and break bread with somebody who, um, made me feel unsafe. For many years after something yeah. that they did for me, I mean that did happened to me. me. Something like that happened to me. I mean, yes, I guess something like that happened to me being robbed at gunpoint. But that causes for me to be like, would you like to share? Locked door. No, I don't want to talk about. It. Oh, but okay. like locked. That's why I always lock the door and leave you. Yeah, locked doors. I just can't. It drives me crazy, yeah. bro. No, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, for sure. I fully understand. <laughs> I've never been in a situation like that. Um, I count myself fortunate, but I could I couldn't even imagine what that what that does to your sense of like security, especially yeah. if it happened at yeah. your place of work or in your home, because it's mm -hmm. like you're gonna be there all the time. So it's like you don't feel safe now. Yeah. E even though this is like supposed to be the safest place in the world. Yeah. Um. So that's rough. Um. Before we take a break, uh, New Year's resolutions. Do you have any New Year's resolutions, friend? 
Yeah. Um, for this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Twenty nineteen. New year, new me. Um. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, New Year's resolution this year. I want to uh get my real estate business off the ground by the end of the year. Okay, that's my goal. All right, that's a big goal, man. Yeah. Um. Uh, me personally, um, I don't have any like career goals really. I would like to take twenty nineteen to um learn and put action towards being a better ally to people because this thing with Kevin Hart, this whole Kevin Hart situation with this Oscars things that happened is um, a, a big point that I learned that made me really have to think about was, so um, he's saying they want me to apologize. I already apologized. So like, let's just move on. Mm. And when I first heard that, I went, yeah, man. I mean, if you already apologized then then I move on, but you're dealing with a community who is, under attack and and, and, and and losing their lives. And even though what you said was just a lighthearted joke and it made some people laugh, even if it didn't make the people who you were talking about laugh, you didn't mean any harm by it, but harm is being done to this community. So instead of just saying, like, making yourself a victim and being like, it was 10 years ago, like, let's just move on, you should take the opportunity to go, well, let me learn how I can help. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, people don't want to be an ally. And I think that... You have a right to 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 either have sympathy and help uh, people or not, mm. but like, why wouldn't you? In with the spotlight on you right now, everybody's talking about homophobia surrounded by your name. Why not take the opportunity to go? I'm not homophobic. I'm not homophobic, and let me learn what my words might have done, and let me give dialogue to a person who feels attacked by my dialogue mm-hmm. specifically like black people in the lgbt community like why not uh instead of just saying like guys i said i'm not gonna say the jokes anymore like just forget about it instead mm-hmm. of saying that say wow people were affected by my words let me give them a platform let me speak to them let me learn and then let me dissect let me let me disperse this message out to more people as a black man a heterosexual black man in Hollywood with a platform, let me say to other black men, because it is a problem in our community, I, 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 I'll shout that from the highest mountaintop. I mean, black people in general have a severe issue with homophobia. It is it is toxic. It is dangerous. It is, it is, um, it is, it is not okay. And in 2019, I want to learn, instead of just being like, yeah, man, women deserve more. And like, gay people are great. I want to be, I want to learn how I can help. And I understand that that comes with people telling me well you should have been doing i understand that's going to come with like resistance of like oh now you want to help well um i'm not a teacher i understand there's going to be people that i might that might meet me with that kind of energy but i expect to uh i like somebody have already right oh i'm sure for sure that's definitely happened to me just talking about i'm trying to learn about trans Mm -hmm. people um trying to understand when when something happens where i go well um but like, why is, that don't know though. Yeah, where it's like, but like, why is this offensive? You don't know why it's not. Why you don't know why it's offensive? Why don't you go learn? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to, but you're, you know, now I'm gonna push through that in 2019. I want to fight through that and learn how I can better serve people who need my help. Because as a black man, I kind of demand and want certain um, human rights afforded to me. And so, how could I want that and then not fight for them for other people? So that's my goal in 2019 is to 
um, demand as much for others as I demand for mm-hmm. myself. You know, I, I want police to stop stop shooting black people. I want to stop being racially profiled when I walk into a store. I want to, you know, um, not be um, st- even like things that people think are good. Like, oh man, stereotype black guys, man, they can dance and black people can dance and black guys have big dicks and it's like, don't treat. I'm not an animal, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so for me to do that. Um, it's not okay for everybody to think gay people are like these fashionable things and these fashionable people and all they do is have, you know, uh, um, sex with no commitment and all these kind of, it's just all these stereotypes and all these things that I want to break down for myself and for people that look like me, I should want to have that same energy for other communities as well. And that's my goal in 2019 is to keep that same energy. Yeah, it's good, man. Can I do another one? You made me sound kind of selfish in my, uh... (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, man. Take the floor, man. No, no that's cool. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. You, know, you, you got a family, man. You want to provide for your family. You want to better yourself. No, that's that's all that. into you know my 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 career my career plans. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. 2019 is gonna be a big year, man. I also obviously, but this obviously, podcast, though. yeah, obviously, that's also on my resolution. I want this to be. I want this to grow. I wanted. To, yeah. I want to have a bigger 2019 than we had in 2018. And 2018 was pretty fucking big. And we kicked it off, even though technically I don't know when the rule sister sent to this package. We got a fucking Trader Joe's care package. Uh, come up began. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, here. I really think this year starting out great. Me too. I mean, except for the R. Kelly shit. But yeah. yeah, yeah, the R. Kelly shit, and of course, rest in peace, Jasmine Barnes. Um, um, I, I still think 2019, even though it started off, the R. Kelly thing was like a ripping off a Band-Aid. So is the R. Kelly documentary a terrible thing to watch? Yes. But what comes from it, the conversations that are going to come from it, the action that's going to come from it, that's all good. Yeah, but for them to drop it in the beginning of the year, it's like, yeah, God yeah, damn. Yeah, it, it, it was the, the first week of the new year. <laughs> but it's like, I like the message. Yeah. It's like, let's stop beating around the bush. Yeah. Let's stop uh, um, not talking about this. Let's no. get right to it, man. Yeah. Fuck this coming out in the summertime or whatever. New year, let's, new year, new us. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. Fuck this guy, right? And it, it is. Fuck him. Yeah. Uh, but with that, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. I want to leave us with that Mace Feel So Good. This is one of my favorite songs. It's just like it makes you want to dance and have a shiny suit on. And um, that's the kind of feeling I need on this break to come back and continue to talk about fucked up shit. So um, we're going to leave you with this Mace. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit an hour in. Uh, so uh, we'll be right back. What you know about going out? Head west, red legs, TVs all up in the headrest. Trying to live it up. Rock jewel, bigger truck. Peace all glittered up. Stick a kid, make a what? Jig with a cut, sip crisp, spit it up. Hose rock, get your nut till I can't get it up. I'm a big man, get a slam room. I done hit everything from Cancun to Grand Tune. Why you stand on the wall, hand on your balls? Lighting up drugs, always fighting in the club. I'm the reason they made the dress code to figure out what and why when I'm in my fresh clothes. Dresses I suppose from my neck to my toes. Neck full of gold. All right, and we are back. And friends, since it is the new year, we will start the rotation fresh. It is up to you. You you want to go first? Or you yeah, want me to... I'll go first. Okay, cool. cool. Please, uh, your affirmative murder. Yeah, uh, it's been a while, man. It's, it it's, is. It's been a while. It is. A little rust. And... Knock that rust off. Yeah, and then I took a bit of a break, a mental break from like, because there's so True much shit going yeah, on yeah, in the world. Yeah, yeah. So sure. like, same, no. same, me too. You can't you can't be wa- listening and watching all that fucked up shit yeah. during the Christmas break and yeah. all that. So I took it took a little break. So, I mean, last night when I was um trying to get my story together, you know, I, I got, got a bit into it. So, you know, it's, it's been a while. Okay. So my affirmative murder this week of 2019, I, my first one is about the Briley brothers. Bri- can you sp- spell B-R-I-L-E-Y. that? B-R-I-L-E-Y. Briley. Briley brothers, okay, cool. yep. So it was a gang... They were a gang, um, <laughs> a family gang, I guess. A family gang. 
uh, who like was the Jackson Five. Yeah, you know, but way worse. Okay, way worse. That was responsible for a killing spree that took place in Richmond, Virginia. Mm. So the Briley brothers, you got Linwood, Linwood Earl Briley. Mm. You got James uh, Dyrell Briley Jr. Dyrell. Yeah. Right. You got Anthony Ray Briley. <clears throat> and they were all, they were apparently born to a, a stable family. You know, apparently. Yeah. You um, know, they had like, two parents. You know, the, that's a stable home when you got two parents, I yeah, guess. But you never know what's going on behind those walls. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they were, they had two two parents at home in Highland Park neighborhood of Richmond, Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. with their younger brother Anthony Lim, Anthony Linwood and James. Um, oh wait, and their younger brother Anthony Linwood and James. I, I think Lin, for some reason I, when I was reading this, I felt like Linwood name. was the last name. Yeah, it yeah, sounds it like, a last sound name. like a last name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they were had a younger brother named Anthony, and Linwood and James were regarded by older neighbors as people who would help neighbors. Repair their cars and mow lawns. Of course they were. They were great. They were. There was nothing. You know, wrong young with kids. Yeah, yeah, you know, helping out the community. I mean, but you know, it, we can't help but judge people from, you know, what Their they actions. show us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the three brothers collected exotic pets such as tarantulas, piranhas, and boa constrictors. No. <laughs> Why do people? I don't understand. Listen, I don't pet shame, mm-hmm. but like, I don't want a snake. No, you know I don't. I don't see what you. What's so fun about a tarantula? To be honest, right? You know, watch it eat eat <laughs> things and be in let a it, cage. Let it crawl what on if you. It gets out. I saw a video. A girl had one of them crawled out of her mouth. No. No, thank you. Mm-mm. I'd like my pets non-exotic. Yeah. How about a labradoodle? How about we go? How about we get a labradoodle? Oh, a they, tarantula. They want exotic pets, man. I want a big tarantula. You know the. the to crawl on me, big hairy spider to crawl up on down my huh. back and arms. <clears throat> no. So it also, it is also alleged that all three brothers engage in su- sudism, zudism, zudism, S- zu sadism. Oh, sadism! <laughs> yeah. yeah, sadism. Yeah, that's like sexual stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I was like zudism. <laughs> <laughs> they fuck animals. <laughs> <laughs> so they was engaged in zu sadism. Um, their father, James Briley Sr., was unnerved enough by their behavior that he kept his bedroom door padlocked from the inside. Wait, o- are you saying zoo sadism? Yeah. Like the, with the animals? Yes. Like Zeus. Z-O-O? Yes. Zoo, zoo sadism. sadism. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they like beat the, they like beat the animals? A cruelty to animals, yeah. Oh, so, you okay. know, which is part of the, the McDonald triad. Oh, yeah, 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 with the burning. and the, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And so, again, so their father. I never heard it called that before. Me either. That's why I had a hard time fucking saying it. <laughs> it's like zooism. <laughs> All right, so uh, zoo, zoo sadism. Yeah. Cruel, cruelty to animals. Yep. So, yeah, so his dad was unnerved enough by their behavior that he kept his bedroom door padlocked from the inside overnight and their... He kept his, his bedroom door padlocked from the inside overnight and their mother, Bertha Briley, moved out of the house for the same reason. Oh, you got to call the police on those kids, man. That's crazy. If there's, I mean, you're scared of your kids. <laughs> that's crazy, man. No, I mean that's that's wild. To, you're scared of your kids so much that you lock yourself in your yeah. room, and the mom left the, the house. The mom left, and he said that James Senior was the only person the brothers feared. So that, I mean, they they the dad, that's the feared dad? that. Yeah, they that's the dad. But they thought they might catch him while he was asleep. Yeah. He was like, no, y'all not gonna no. catch me while I'm. I can't I, defend myself. While I'm sleeping. <laughs> 
Y'all scared of me, but yeah, yeah I got <laughs> that, That's even more yeah. reason for y'all to kill me while I'm asleep. Yeah. When my guard's down. Mom's like, nah. I'm not staying in this house. I'm out of here. James, I'm leaving. That is crazy. Uh, so in 1971, the first killing was committed by Linwood. I just don't like that name, man. I just. What it is sounds creepy. What's his name again? Th- last name is Briley. Linwood Briley. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, the first killing was committed by Linwood, who then was 16, while alone at home one day. Well, I wasn't in school. I guess it was summertime. That's that's maybe dropped out. Picture. Yeah. Um, while alone at home one day, he took aim with a rifle from his bedroom window and fatally shot Orlean Orlin Christian, who was an elderly elderly neighbor across the alley. She was just outside hanging some laundry on the clothesline. So he just put his gun out the window and shot somebody. And just shot her for no reason. Wow. That's. That, that that really uh, again that, hit, that hits home to especially in 2019. Yeah, like ag- again, she was at a place where she a safe, safe zone. Yeah, I'm at my garden backyard or whatever. <laughs> I'm just chilling, and you get murdered by a bullet that just for no reason. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So the crime almost went undetected, but her relatives noticed noticed a small bloody mark under her armpit at the viewing and asked the funeral director to reexamine the body. Oh, they thought she just like had a heart attack or something. Yeah, but I mean, how? She was older. There's no blood. I mean, I don't. Well, maybe old people don't bleed a lot. I don't. I don't. I. I that was. <laughs> I, mean, that I was puzzled I by take, that one. Hey guys, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm rusty. Don't ignore that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay that. <laughs> but <laughs> I just, I just didn't get that. And maybe one, old no. people's blood like dries up and they don't have as much. I don't know. Maybe change different color or something. I don't know. That was a really stupid thing to say. I, I apologize. What? I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> so upon a second examination, the director found a small caliber bullet wound under her armpit. Police were contacted and sought out to find the source of the gunshot. I mean, this is the this is the shit I like. Yeah. The detective shit. Mm-hmm. The CSI shit. The forensics. Um, a detective used a sheet of plywood to represent her body with a hole cut, hole cut out to represent the bullet wound. He determined that the bullet came from the Broly home across the alley. Mm. That's crazy. You do this thing, the you trajectory, like... and like it had to come from here and where it was. Mm. There's a really good scene in, in The Wire where um, McNulty and Bunk uh, they figure out that a girl got shot in her apartment from mm. the window, and it's all the dialogue is just them saying fuck. <laughs> so they're walking around and and like got the the measuring tape out. And they're like shh, 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 measuring the water, like fuck. And by fuck they mean like if he's five eight. Or if she's five four, the bullet had to come from higher, and it's like, fuck. And the bullets in the the bullet, they like the frit, the bullet hit the fridge and hit uh-huh. her. It's such a good scene. It's such mm. a good scene. But the, it, it's 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 that thing that you that you like where yeah. they're they're like remaking the scene, yeah. even though there's no bodies there, and they're like it had to come from this angle, yeah. and it had to be down, and the bullet had to be coming from this way. It's a really good scene. Yeah, I like I just, I like that. Um, so the murder weapon was found, and Linwood admitted to the crime. With indifference. So he said, quote, I heard she had heart problems, so she would have died soon anyway. God damn. (laughs) That is cold. Yeah. Damn. So basically he's saying, I mean, why am I I getting in trouble? She was going to die anyway. I just helped the process. Right. That's crazy. That's like where you, as a detective, you're like, what? You don't even know how to respond to that. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, man. No, I'm, she was going to die anyway. What are y'all mad at me? Uh, uh, okay. I guess yeah. he thought it was like, 
You're right. Yeah, it was, like, you thought that was going to fly? Like, yeah. yeah, you know what, man? Good point. You're free to go. Yeah. So Linwood was sent to reform school to serve one year sentence for the killing. What? Gen- yeah. That's it? Reform school. That's not even jail. No. It's like a detention like, center. Bo- school for boys. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what is it? Um, sort of like a detention institution or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we have, uh, I think they, it's, uh, ours here is like Jessup or something like that. It's for like yeah. teenage boys. Those teenage, I mean, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Those teenage boys are crazy. But yeah. still, though, a year? That's nothing. I mean, we knew somebody that went to Jessup, so. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, my brother was with that guy in Jessup. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so your brother, my brother knows, knows that. My brother knows him. <laughs> So it's it was it's, crazy. Even though we know it's even so, your brother knows he's certified. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy because that kid's like he was like what? Like yeah, I know him. I, yo, because <laughs> the way it was, I don't want to get tough, but it was like I was like, yeah, you know, I had a friend. And he was yeah, like, we have a. He's we, like, we, yeah, I know him. He was like, I used to. I asked him what school he went to, and he was like, I asked him about my little brother. He was like, yeah, you know, I was like, wow. Yeah, we went to middle school with a guy. Let's call him middle school guys. Yeah. Let's call him Mike. Yeah, oh yeah, it was middle school. <laughs> we went to middle school with a guy. Let's call him Mike. Uh, Mike was the strongest, blackest man I'd ever seen in my yeah, life. At and, our age, and a man, and I say a man, even though we were like eleven. Yeah. Uh, he had muscles. Yep. And he was very stocky. Yep. And he was like Tyrese Black. Yeah. Ch- chiseled, muscles that you shouldn't <laughs> have at eleven. No. You don't. You shouldn't have traps at eleven. Why do you have muscles? That the little neck. <laughs> why do you have neck lumps at eleven? Uh, and he was thorough, and uh, nobody fucked with Mike. No, and uh, he was the fastest, strongest. He was better than everybody. Everything. He was probably having sex. Yeah, he took uh, my girlfriend in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did do that. He did do that. There was a lot of friend. There was a lot of drama with friend. I was a lot of three way phone calls of me just being quiet. Like, that was crazy. Uh, and yeah, so he took all the girls. He was the fastest, the strongest. He beat everybody up. And uh, but he liked friend. He liked me. Yeah, I, I mean, I made him like damn near my best friend. Yeah, I really didn't move. have a choice. Tr- <laughs> he liked me. I, we didn't really talk much, but he, I knew he didn't have an issue with me. <laughs> and then uh, I moved away. And then one day, friend called me and was like, "Yo, Mike stabbed somebody." No, he shot somebody. Wow. Okay. Well, this is news <laughs> to me even more. Yeah. And he had to be like twelve or thirteen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mike shot somebody, and then we saw Mike on Beyond Scared Straight. Yeah. Mike was on Beyond Scared Straight, and it was like, oh wow, yo, yeah. You didn't stop being the savage that you were. No. You were, you're thorough. He was in there for attempt for murder. Oh, yeah. So um. Yeah. So we know all about like. And then the guy wild that, teenagers. The, the guy that he murdered was my my neighbor from across the street. Oh wow! It's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, man. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was, Mike. It was crazy. Shout out to Mike, man. All respect <laughs> to Mike. All respect to you, Mike. Uh, if you figure out who you who you are, if you listen to this and you know who you are, my name Mike, is my name is uh, Anthony. Yeah, Mike, man. <laughs> hey, man. No, listen. You know we don't mean any harm. It's all love, Mike. Hey. Anyway, go on with your story, man. <laughs> <laughs> Continue with your story. Hurry oh up. man. Hurry yeah. up. Let's get out of this. Let's move on from this. Let's move uh, on. All right. So. Linwood went. He was sent to a reform school to serve one year sentence for the killing. Mm-hmm. James followed in his path at the same age, having been sentenced to jail in the juvenile hall for a f- for firing upon a police officer during a pursuit. Oh wow! So this is brother. So it's just a house full of savages. Yeah. Um, and then in 1979, the three brothers, the three Briley brothers, and an accomplice named Duncan Meekins. I think it's an awful name. Yeah. Be- began the seventh month series of random killings that terrified the city and surrounding regions. Oh, wow. The first attack occurred on March 12, 1979, when Linwood, this is Linwood. 
So he's out, man. Yeah. He's, he did his little time, or whatever. So when Linwood knocked on the door of Hen, of on the door of Henrico County couple William and Virginia Butcher, claiming that he had a car trouble and needed to use their telephone. I mean, talk through the window. Yeah. I need to open the door. Yeah. Uh, use their telephone. Linwood eventually forced his way into the home. He held the couple at gunpoint and waved and waved Anthony inside. The two Briley's tied up the couple and robbed the house, um, dousing each room with kerosene after picking a clean of valuables. Did they burn the house down? Um, I don't think. I think they tried to. Oh. As they left, a lit match was tossed on the fuel. There you go. <laughs> the two, um, they hurried to pack whatever they stole, a television, a CB radio, um, okay. and jewelry. Uh, entered their truck and drove drove out of the area. So they, I mean, they didn't really they get over, much. I think they overdid it. Yeah, it lightable fire. But. And also to do the <laughs> thing where it's like, you like the match, you like flick it, yeah. like it's gonna be slow mo, and then yeah. you walk away, like, and then it doesn't do what you think it's gonna. <laughs> do. It doesn't just all blow up for a TV, a CB radio, and some jewelry. Yeah, uh, yeah, you did a lot. Right. Um, William Butcher managed to free himself and his wife from their restraints and escape just before the house became engulfed in flames. Mm. They would be the sole survivors of the rampage. <coughs> On March 21st, Michael McDuffel, a vending machine serviceman, was I mean, why do you have put him in business up there? Yeah. Uh, was assaulted, murdered, and robbed in his suburban home by the Brawleys. Two weeks later, on April 9th, the, the brothers followed 76-year-old Mary Gowen across town from her babysitting job. She's 76. That's crazy. So they followed her across town after she was leaving her babysitting job. Excuse me. They followed her into her house to rape and murder her. Mm. They escaped from the residence with many of her valuables. The gang saw 17-year-old Christopher Phillips hanging around Linwood's parked car on July 4th, suspecting that he might have been trying to steal the vehicle. I mean, these people, I mean, they're already crazy, so... (laughs) Now he's like, oh, this guy's trying to rob me? Oh, yeah. You gonna disrespect us? The Brothers Three? That's <laughs> probably what they, they called themselves. Probably. Uh, yeah, so he expected that he was trying to, steal it, trying to steal the vehicle. The gang surrounded him, dragged him into a nearby backyard. Beat the shit out of him. There, the three brothers wrestled him to the ground. When Phillips screamed for help, Linwood killed him by dropping a cinder block onto his skull. Oh, God. I don't even want to know what it sounds like, oh. looks like to drop up cinder block. But that's the whole head. mental shit I be talking about. You could just do shit like that and don't even, it doesn't affect would, you at that all. That would haunt me. To even, if I heard it, like if I was a bystander, and I, that would haunt me for the rest of my life if I heard that, uh, let alone doing it. Yeah. Uh, so on September 14th, a disc jockey, Johnny, Johnny G. Did Galler. you say Johnny twice by accident, or that's his name? I'm sorry, his name is John Johnny G. Galler. Oh, John, Galler. like John, quote, Johnny G. Yeah, that's Galler. his nickname. Uh, Johnny G. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny G. Johnny G in the morning. <laughs> uh, was performing with his band at South Richmond Nightclub. I mean, this is just bad luck. Uh, he's step, stepping outside between sets for a break. I'm guessing a cigarette break. He inadvertently came right into the hands of the Brawley brothers. Having been looking around town for a victim all night without success. He just fell into their hands, literally. Wow. They decided to they decided to lie and wait for him, whoever might happen to step outside. I mean, just came out at the wrong time. That's the shit where you like 
if I was to die like that, I'm like, it's not even my fault. Like, <laughs> I'm not. I didn't do anything wrong. Nothing. You don't know me. <laughs> well, that's the that's one of the scariest things. Do you remember that movie, The Strangers? I don't know if I saw it in the movie theaters when you and I was when we were young. But it was like uh, three people broke into those people's houses and they had masks on their face. The white mask? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, why are you doing this? And he's like, because you're home. It's like, I I don't know you. I don't care about you. I'm doing this just because you were the person who had lights on in your house. That's That's like, there's nothing you can even do. There's nothing you can talk them out of. There's no, I'll give you what you want. They don't want anything. Those people, they wanted jewelry and they don't care if you don't have a lot of it. You're the one they picked. So they're not going to talk yourself out of it. We came here to rob somebody, and we picked you, so we're going to rob and kill you. There's no meaning behind That's it. That's fucked up, man. Mm. Terrible, man. So Gallo was assaulted by Linwood and put into the truck of his Lincoln Continental. <clears throat> he was then driven out to Mayo Island in the middle of James River, where the remnants of an abandoned paper mill stood. There, he was removed from the trunk of his car and shot dead at mm. point blank range in the head. His body was then dumped into the river. The remains were found two days later. When arrested months later, Linwood was still wearing the stolen ring from Gala's hand. Stupid, man. And that's savage, man. I killed that guy. But this is a trophy. I didn't want it for the money part of it. I just (laughs) like how it looked, and I'm going to wear his ring. Rings have serial numbers and all types of (laughs) shit. You're just wearing evidence on your hand. Yeah. He didn't... Obviously, he didn't just... He didn't care. Yeah. He dropped cinder blocks on people's heads. Yeah, this is a savage. This is pure savage. I mean, Linwood was the, I, I guess he was the, I can't remember. The name. leader. Yeah, he was doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on September 30th, 62-year-old private nurse Mary Wilfong was followed home to her Richmond apartment. The brothers surrounded her just outside the door, and Linwood beat her to death with a baseball bat. Oh, my God. The brothers then entered her apartment and robbed it of valuables. Five days later, on October 5th, just two blocks from the Brawley home on 4th Avenue, 79-year-old Blanche Page and her 59-year-old boarder, Charles Gardner, were both murdered by the brothers. <clears throat> Page was bludgeoned to death while Gardner was fatally assaulted with a variety of weapons, which included a baseball bat, five knives, oh. a pair of scissors, and a fork. Oh my God. The scissors and fork were left embedded in Gardner's back. Oh. The, Fuck. Yeah, the victims of the final murder were the family of Harvey Wilkinson, a longtime friend of the brothers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like they, they don't care. They don't care yeah. at all. Um, so he's a longtime friend of the brothers. On the morning of October 19th, despite having promised a judge earlier that day that he would stay out of trouble while on parole, James led his brothers on the prowl that night for, the yet, for yet another victim. Upon seeing the brothers down the street, Wilkinson, who lived with his 23-year-old wife, Judy Barton, who was five months pregnant at the time, and her and her five-year-old son Harvey, he knew immediately, like, oh, you know, lock these doors. Yeah, lock these doors. Um. So he immediately closed and locked the doors. The action was noticed by the brothers. Oh. <laughs> That's like you look at through the through the through the blinds, and, you, and, then, oh, she, oh, she and they see it. It's like, damn. I mean, we just, fucked up. Uh, so the action was noticed by the brothers, who then walked over to Wilkinson's front door. Terrified by their response, if he refused them entry, Wilkinson allowed them in. No. Yeah. Just call the police. No, yeah, you're scared. You doors. wanted to lock the doors. Uh, both adults in the home were overpowered. 
bound and gagged with duct tape. Lynn Wood then assaulted Judy Barton in the kitchen, uh, where she was raped with hearing distance from the others. Meekins, I forgot about him. Uh, Meekins continued the sexual assault, after which Lynn Wood dragged Barton back into the living room. Briefly rummaged in the premises of the valuables and then left the house. Three remaining, the three remaining gang members covered their victims with sheets. James told Meekins, quote, hey, you got to get this one, bro. He didn't say that, but you know, yeah. I figured this out. But, but he said, you got to you got to you got to go get this one. Upon which Meekins took a pistol and fatally shot Wilkerson in the head. James then shot Barton to death. Wow. Police happened to be in the general vicinity of the neighborhood Later saw the gang members running down the street at high speed. They did they did not know where the shots had been fired. The bodies were discovered until three days following the crime, mm. but the brothers were all arrested soon afterwards. Um, during an interrogation by the police, Meekins was offered a plea agreement in return uh, for turning state's evidence against the Brileys. He took the offer <laughs> and provided detailing of the crime the mm. crime spree. As a result. He escaped the death penalty. I mean, he wasn't... Nah, bro. I'll tell you what you need to know. Yep. He escaped the death penalty and was incarcerated at the Virginia prison away from the Broly brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he was separated from them, and then they also sent them all to different units, probably, yeah. too. Um, under agreement, Meekins, Meekins was given a life sentence plus 80 years, mm. which at the time of conviction would make him eligible for parole after serving 12 to 15 years. Wait, what? He had he had a possibility of parole. In the he table? had he got life sentence plus eighty years with with the possibility of parole after twelve to fifteen years. I mean, I like to imagine that they say no every time he's up for the parole hearing, but this was like in the eighties, right? So he's had a parole meeting a couple times. Yeah, um, a single life sentence with the parole eligibility was handed down to Anthony Briley, the youngest brother of the trio, due to his limited involvement in the killings because of Virginia's. Virginia's trigger man's statute. Oh. oh Both James and Lidwood received numerous life sentences. Because they actually shot yeah, somebody. Yeah, for murders committed during the spree. But faced capital charges only in cases where they had physical committed, physically committed the actual killings of the victim. Lidwood was sentenced to death for the abduction and murder of Galler, while James received two death sentences. Mm. One for each of the murder of Judy Barton and her son Harvey. Bortha was sent to death row at the Mecklenburg Correctional Correctional Center near Boyton in the early 1980s. <clears throat> I mean, this guy, this guy Linwood is something else. Yeah, um, shit. Linwood and James Briley, so they was in the same. They wasn't separated. Those two, Linwood and James Briley were the ringleaders of a six inmate escape from Virginia's death row. Oh damn! In, in Mecklenburg uh, Correctional Center on May 31st, 1984. During the early moments of the escape in which a coordinated effort resulted in inmates taking over the death row unit, both Briley's expressed strong interest in killing the in killing the captured guards by dousing them with rubbing alcohol oh. and tossing a lip match. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, These people are evil. <laughs> and these are just two brothers. These are Linwood and I think the youngest one. I think James was just like the guy. He was just... Um, just doing what his brothers were doing. Yeah. Yeah, um, Willie Lloyd Turner, another death row inmate, stepped in the way of James and forbid him, him to do so. Meanwhile, cop killer Wilbert Lee Evans, hey man, oh, <laughs> um, 
prevented Linwood from raping a female nurse. Oh, damn. I mean, this guy was going to do everything. They were like the Joker. They're like, yeah, no, we're doing anarchy. (laughs) Killing them, raping them, burning this prison down. That's crazy. And you got... These serial other, killers. You got other prisoners that are like, hey, man, nah, calm down. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can escape, go. Like, you're doing the most right nah, now. No, we're going to kill everybody in here. <laughs> hey, man, whoa. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, so the group's initial plan was to escape into Canada. Two inmates, Lim Tuggle and William Jones, almost succeed, making it as far as Vermont, before captured at gunpoint by police. The group, the group was held at Marble Valley Correctional Facility in Rutland, pending their extra... extra Extradition mm-hmm. um, back to Virginia. <clears throat> I mean, so they tried. They um, tried. They probably got away if he wouldn't try to do all this extra shit. Yeah, if they would have tried to escape <laughs> and I've been like, yo, let's eat them. Like, what? No, man, just leave. <laughs> uh, That's crazy. So splitting off from their two remaining co-escapers at Philadelphia, the Browleys went to live near their uncle in the north of the city. So they did get away. And they went and lived somewhere? Yeah. They would, um, Or tried to, they thought that was smart? Like, yeah. we're just going to blend into society. Uh, yeah, so they lived near their uncle in the north of the city. They were captured on June 19th by a heavily armed group of FBI agents and police who had determined their location by placing wiretaps on their uncle's phone line. Mm. The f- following their return to Richmond, few sought to plead for the Browleys' lives to be ex- to be spared. No, it's like, yeah, they got to go. Yeah. Put them in the chair or <laughs> put them in the needle now. <laughs> the death row, just get them out of here. Yeah. Um, in short order, the remaining appeals ran out of ran out for both brothers. They were executed in an electric chair at the Virginia State mm. Penitentiary in Richmond. Linwood on October 12, 1984, and James on April 18, 1985. I mean, James didn't, he was already kind of, he didn't get away, but he was he didn't get as much time. Yeah, but I think that um, when you get life with the possibility of parole, depending on... I guess you're like, fuck it. Yeah, because, but, but, but the thing is, like, you might have the possibility of parole, but you probably will never be able to convince that parole board to let you out. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, you just get, like, a false hope. Uh-huh. Like, every 10 years you get to go, hey, guys, so, you know, I started doing macaroni art in my cell, and I'm really sorry for the things that I did 15 years ago. I'm a better person. And they're like, yeah, all right, nope, 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 go back to your cell. That's you know, so it's like, time, it's man. still life, you know. Um, there are cases where people are able to convince a parole board to let them out. But I I think it's probably less common than murder murder cases, you know. Uh, so Linwood was survived by one son, Norman Laquan Ampey, who later served time in prison for bank robbery and died in 2015. Something. Mm. Hey. Yeah, like James father, survived. Like father, like son, maybe, yeah, you know? James is survived by three daughters who lived in Richmond. The brothers are buried in the Council Cemetery in North Carolina. The young brother. Anthony remains incarcerated. I mean, he all was just a mess. Yeah, uh, remains incarcerated in Virginia's correction system, and comes up for parole. Considering every few years, he is currently at Augusta Correctional Center, which is about twenty miles outside of outside of Staten, Virginia. Mm. And they talk about his goddamn ID number. I don't care. <laughs> um, but it says to date, all his applications for parole have been denied by the state parole board. Yeah. Because you pull up and you look, you look at what he was involved in, and n- three people aren't going to go, well, you sat and watched all this shit happen, yeah. and it, but it was a long time ago, and we want you back in society. It's like, no, fuck you. you know. So it's, it really is kind of like false hope, which, good. I, it's like, hell, I'm good. I'm, I'm good you get to get your hopes up, and then they get shattered every few years. 
because you were involved in something very horrible. And I don't believe that even though everybody might have protected you and said that you just were there, I don't believe you didn't do anything. Yeah. I don't believe you just were like, hey, guys, like, let's not do this. Like, I'm sure you did something. I'm sure you assaulted a woman yeah. or I mean, punched a guy they, in the face. They told the guy that wasn't their brother, like, hey, you got you to gotta get this one. This yeah. one's yours. Yeah. So I'm sure they're not going to let him get his hands dirty and they don't know that their brother's about it. Right. Every, all the... Uh, the three of them were like certified. I'll kill you, <laughs> and he just didn't get caught in the case of who was who they were on trial for. Yeah. Except for Linwood. Linwood was uh, that was the guy. Right oh there. yeah, Linwood was like the kingpin of the brothers yeah. three. Yeah. So that was uh, my favorite murder, the Browley brothers. Damn, that was crazy. Um. Uh. Yeah. I don't really even have any questions. Uh. Let's keep the show moving, cause fuck. Um. That was extremely violent. Um. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to close things out and tell you my affirmative murder. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, my first affirmative murder of 2019 is a story that could be found on an episode of Crime Watch Daily. It is the story of Brittany Cosby and Crystal Jackson. I proceed. Brittany Cosby and Crystal Jackson were both 24 years old living in Houston, Texas, and in love with each other. For two years, life was picture perfect for the young couple. Both were ambitious, hardworking, and raised Crystal's five-year-old daughter, Zaniah. Crystal had been raised by her parents, Reverend (coughs) Ivan and Mary Jackson. Brittany had been raised by her great-grandmother. Her mom, LaRonda McDonald, and dad, James Cosby, broke up when she was young. However, James was back living in the same house. Brittany and Crystal hoped to move out and get a new place of their own. They first needed a car. Pooling their tax refunds, which um, y'all better uh, pay attention, because if this government don't open up, y'all ain't getting nothing anytime soon. So y'all won't be pooling any tax refunds. Y'all won't be be pooling any tax refunds in January uh, if if this shit doesn't go. They better get together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now you're starting to affect me. You know, yeah. like, I, I don't like Donald Trump, and but some of his policies is like, I mean, that's not direct directly affecting me, but still, fuck him. But now it's like, oh, now you're directly coming at my pockets. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, uh, you know anarchy. Uh, so they pulled their tax refunds together, and they finally bought a 2006 Kia Sorento. Okay. Mm-hmm. Flex God. Uh, with Britney's great-grandmother co-signing. Mm-hmm. Shout out to great-grand. Sometimes you got to hold the family down, you know, yeah. the matriarch, you know, you need me, but make sure you pay those payments on time because y'all not fucking up my credit. The Sorrento is an SUV, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few days later, they went over to Crystal's parents' house to pick up Zaniah and show off their new purchase. Mm. As they drove off that night, little did the Jacksons know that that would be the last time they'd see their daughter, Crystal, and her girlfriend, Brittany, alive. Did they burn out the tires when they pulled off? Or? No, no, it's a no. Kia Sorrento, man. They, the, that car's so safe, it won't even let you burn the tires out. <laughs> You know, if you step on the gas too hard, it like stops the car for you. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, do I need to, the car's like, do I need to call the police? The OnStar? No, I was just trying to flex. Sorrento. Uh, as worry grew of the Jackson's, as worry grew at the Jackson house, about an hour and a half away in Port Bolivar, an unincorporated community in Galveston County, a delivery driver stumbled upon an unbelievably horrific scene. Mm. <clears throat> A beer delivery driver was at the convenience store and went to the and went to throw boxes in a dumpster. When he came back and he when he came back in, he asked the clerk if they had thrown out mannequins. What? She was like, "What? Mannequins? 
And she, this was a, a beer. Uh, he was, was delivering beer to a grocery, to like a corner store. And he was like, hey, man, uh, did y'all drop off some mannequins by the dumpster? She was like, what? <laughs> mannequins? Uh, so she went out to take a look and she realized those are actual bodies. Yeah. Uh, the bodies were found intertwined and splayed like rag dolls. Mm. Even uh, veteran investigators were stunned at the sheer brutality. Now, okay, never mind. I got it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> One woman was found face up, eyes open, with a severe wound to the head, a visible gunshot wound. The other was found lying on her stomach, severely beaten, with a bed sheet wrapped around her head. As cops pulled it back, they saw the results of a brutal beating. Mm. Speculation swirled. Was this a hate crime? No baby, right? No, no, the that's baby. That's what no, I was, the, okay, the, 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 that's the, what the, I was yeah, hoping. It was just, right. it wasn't, the, it, the baby wasn't with them. Uh, was this a hate crime or a crime of passion at the hands of a former lover? Investigators quickly surmised that the woman, that the women were killed at another location and then dumped at, po- at Port Boulevard. But where were they killed? Detectives went over the scene relentlessly finding three blood-splattered wood boards and a blood-stained envelope. On that envelope, an address. Mm. Houcher Street in Houston. And the name, Brittany Cosby. Mm. So now they've identified one, but they don't know who the other one is. Mm. But once you start making phone calls, you'll find out like who she's always with is her girlfriend. Uh, so they found the name Brittany Cosby. At the, uh, at the Houston address, investigators informed Brittany's 90-year-old great-grandmother, Annie Lee Cosby, and her father, James Cosby, of her tragic demise. Mm. And they quickly learned the other woman's identity, Crystal Jackson. Brittany's father was inconsolable in front of the detectives. And then you got a 90-year-old grandmother there, too, finding out that the person who lives there and take... she's li- They lived there, one, because it was a place for them to stay, but they would help take care of the grandmother, yeah. too. <clears throat> Investigators working around the clock caught a much-needed break. A man found a wallet on a dirt road and notified the sheriff's department. It was Brittany's. Investigators theorized that the dirt road close to Brittany's house may have been the first intended dump site. Two days later, they talked again with Brittany's father, James Cosby, hoping to clarify the timeline. Detectives were puzzled why did the women leave that morning without taking Crystal's daughter, Zaniah, to school, which was their everyday routine. Detectives believed one of the keys to finding Brittany's, Brittany and Crystal's killer was finding the SUV. Surveillance video from Galveston Ferry Landing showed that around 9 o'clock that night, a man was stopped by ferry security in an SUV believed to match the lady's Kia Sorento. Investigators believed Christy, Chris, um, Brittany and Crystal's bodies were in the back of that SUV at the time. The security guard offered up a strong description leading to a composite sketch. Six days after the murder, a fingerprint found at the site where the bodies were dumped came back with a match. The lone fingerprint is a perfect match to Brittany's own father. Mm, Wow. The man detectives had only seen as the grieving father was now their prime suspect. With a search warrant in hand, investigators bring a forensic team to the house. Outside, under the carport, blood spots were found. Mm. And a missing shutter matched one found with the bodies. How they said they found uh, a piece of wood with three blood spots on it. It was a shutter from the window at, at, the, at the grandmother's house. Mm. So he was like doing the most when the... When the, when the oh, when yeah. You watch Crime Watch that. What happened? Yeah. What happened? Lying, man. 
you go back and you watch that shit. It really, it really makes it makes you sick, and it and it's like crazy when you when you know what somebody did, and you go back and there's video evidence of the moment they quote unquote found out. It's like the most disgusting thing in the world. His bedroom is adjacent to the car to that carport," said investigator William Kilburn. On the outside of the house, there was a false there was false shutters on the main windows, which one was missing. So if you pull up to the house, you see it's like, you know, shutter on the left, shutter on the right on all the windows, and then one of the windows, the left one's missing. Mm -hmm. And then it's at the body. So it's like, well, somebody here did this. Yeah. Period. So, um, Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so they said, you know, the uh, Detective Kilburn said, that shutter was found in Port Bolivar with the bodies. Just inside the door in the den where James Cosby slept, there were signs of a bloodbath. Everywhere we, oh, <clears throat> everywhere we were looking, we were finding something with blood on it," said Investigator William Kilburn. Tiny drops, bigger drops, pools, mm. swipe marks. They were on the door, in the carpet, in the couch, on the clothes. And when investigators sprayed the room with a chemical that detects human blood invisible to the naked eye, the room lit up. And then this idiot tried to cover up the blood. By putting little rugs on all the blood, where on like where it's on the carpet, he like put a little rug on all the spots. So it's you go in his, shit. you go in his bedroom, it's just like a bunch of rugs <laughs> in random spots. Uh, it looks crazy. <laughs> like what? Like oh well, well I, this was a genius murder. He put these rugs over. Yeah, here. he was too lazy to clean up. That's what the fuck was going on. Yeah, like well, did you think nobody was gonna come and look at the house? He thought you know they come there. Well, they see these, all these out. lovely rugs. Yeah, I'll put on a he scene. Out, they don't come back. Uh, detectives also uncovered a box of bullets with a mix of 38 caliber and 357 caliber shells. They believed the murder weapon was a 357 and the bullet that killed Crystal was a 38 caliber. This is the most evidence I've ever collected on a crime scene, said Kilburn. <laughs> 307 individual pieces and 290 of them said it was James Cosby. No attempt to clean. No attempt to clean. No, them. there was blood Cosby. everywhere. Like when you watch, if you, like you can look it up on Crime, Crime Watch Daily. There's blood everywhere. There's blood on the splatters on the carpet. There's blood outside. So they didn't see it when he went there the first time? I guess I not. Think, I mean, I, was, again, I guess the scene, the, the commotion yeah. and the, you know, you just like, you're like, oh, let's leave him to grieve. But what then, was the grandma? Like, I mean, she's 90, man. She probably just like laid up in a room most of the time, or sitting on the couch watching stories. Well, he shot him, didn't he? He didn't. He didn't kill him. Oh. She might not have been home. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe yeah. She, I mean, yeah. She might she, not. She might not have been home. You know. I don't know what they, they, they don't. They don't go into detail about why she didn't hear yeah. it or something. You know. <clears throat> uh, meanwhile, at a community vigil for Brittany and Crystal, James Cosby is recorded on the news. Pleading for the public's help to find the killer before they knew it was him. Uh huh. No, let me let me make it clear. While they're doing all that stuff, swabbing at the house and and and, and at his house, at his house on the other side of town, he's on the news. Like, yeah, the investigators are doing all they can to solve this, but we need help finding this killer because my baby's gone. Oh, holding that the little nuts. holding the little cup with the candle in it and people letting balloons go and all this kind of stuff. And he's in the mix. He probably made his. He probably made himself think I didn't do it. I don't know where he get now all that blood from. I feel like more sinister than that. He thought that was the cherry on top. 
where it's like nobody's gonna think it was me. I look, I'm at the vigil. Like I'm the saddest person here. I just let That's the balloon. Crazy. I just let the balloons go into the sky. So that is sick, man. You you killed. Oh, you it's killed like you kill somebody. Child. You show up at somebody's funeral. It's worse though, cause it's your child. All of that shit that's like bad of like you kill somebody and you show up and but you did it and it, you, it's your kid. So yeah, so he's at the vigil cutting up, talking about we need the community's help and all this kind of stuff and um they ended up picking him up at the vigil. <laughs> said Detective Kilburn. So now it's like, I don't know guys, I don't know what this is, but you know, they probably just need to talk to me about something. Why are you in handcuffs? I don't know, procedure. That's not procedure. All right, y'all, I'll, I'll call y'all. I'll call. Based on all the evidence collected, detectives deducted that sometime in the early morning hours, as Crystal's daughter sat in the car waiting to be taken to school, James got into a fight with Brittany. It is assumed that it is about um, that there was always animosity because he didn't like that they were lesbians. Yeah. So that goes I back. Think to, it, I that think that's, you get that immediately. That goes back to the whole thing we're talking about, about yeah. homophobia in the black community and... Um, so that is the big uh, assumption in his motive yeah. in the whole thing. That's what I thought. I was gonna wait it out. Yeah. Um. So they is they got an argument while she was in while her daughter was in the car. Um. And that's just that reminds me of like um. Something like that bothers you, but you, you, you something push, else, it, you you push it. it deep enough to where it's like uh, okay, I'm not worried about it right but now. But then something, something pisses you off, and then it's like that's believed that that's what happened. So um. So while while her while they were getting ready to take her daughters and I to school, mm. James got into a fight with Brittany, and then he savagely beat her to death. Uh, it is believed that Crystal walked in while this was happening, and so he pulled out a gun and shot her. Mm. Zaniah wandered back into the house from the car, staying with the dead women for hours. James Cosby then spent the day with his girlfriend, and at some point, James put Brittany and Crystal in back in the car. Back in their own car that they just bought with their fucking tax money, you know, as a, pr- a pride. Like, mm-hmm. they're trying to come up in life. <clears throat> they just bought a car. Yeah. He kills them in front of their daughter and then puts them in their car and then drives them off to uh, try to dispose of the bodies. He first tried to dump them off on that dirt road. That didn't work out. And then he took them to Port Bolivar by a fucking dumpster and just dumped their bodies. Uh, James Cosby was no stranger to the interrogation room. He'd been in and out of prison for most of Britney's young life. The last time was for failing to register as a sex offender. He's a criminal. He's already He's an absolute criminal. And I could make an argument that he might have even done something to his own daughter. I you know, I I I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if that's if that was the case. Sex you you have sexual urges, you're you're a sexual deviant, you have a daughter. I don't know the percentage rates on that, but it happens. And I, 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 would, I could make an argument that that probably did happen to her. To where she's like, I don't even like that you live in Granny's house, but Granny said you could stay here, so whatever. Just stay out of my way. Don't talk to my daughter and don't mm-hmm. talk to my girlfriend. And then he's probably like, what? And then he got in a fight and then boom. Mm. So after Cosby is advised of his rights... And an, an, an aggressive and stunning five-and-a-half-hour cat-and-mouse game begins in the interrogation room. The interrogators confront Cosby with the mounting of evidence against him, like his fingerprints on a piece of paper stuck to one of the boards found with the bodies. And Cosby doesn't seem to have much of an explanation for his blood-soaked room. He couldn't even, I don't know, I didn't know. But they're like, how are you going in there and going to sleep and there's blood everywhere? 
Why well, you're saying that like that? But I didn't know it was blood in there. That dude is crazy. <laughs> and and in the line. Yeah, I didn't know. <clears throat> I didn't know it was blood everywhere. You're 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 assuming that. I didn't know. I just was going to sleep in my room. What'd you think all these stains were? I don't know. I just you know juice. You know, it's a kid living there. That'll piss me off. I, the fuck are you talking? Like, about? man, are you? <laughs> I will beat his ass with that thing. More than five hours in, James Cosby was arrested. Cops charged Cosby with two counts of tampering with evidence. You know, did he? With his, gem- his genius attempt at throwing <laughs> rugs on the blood. I'm sure that was like, you know, that's diabolical. That's like that's like a Dex- <laughs> that's Dexter level stuff when you take an area rug and throw it over the blood. I'm sure that really tampers with things. Fucking idiot. Um, all they could charge him at, with at the, uh, at the time was the tampering of the evidence. Um, so that's what they started off with. And then the investigation continued. Uh, Cosby wouldn't crack, but soon a confession wouldn't be, wouldn't be relevant at all because just one month later, Crystal and Brittany's SUV was found Mm. inside was more damaging evidence, a bullet and a ton of blood. One year later, James Cosby was charged with capital murder. And in August of 2016, after several hours of deliberation, a Texas jury convicted Cosby of two counts of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Good. Which I'm, su- I'm also surprised, since it was Texas, I'm surprised he didn't get the death penalty. But who? He's a he's. They put him away. He got discovered. Not surprisingly, it's not he like he did something. He, he didn't did. do something clever. I'm not surprised he got caught. It's, it's not like I'm not gonna applaud that because that was like. Not he didn't do a good job at that at all. He's a fucking idiot and he killed his own kid. Um, so that was my affirmative murder for the first episode of 2019. I, I want to mm-hmm. give a rest in peace to Brittany Crosby. I mean Brittany Cosby and Crystal Jackson. And um, Fran, it's 2019, man. But are you ready? Yeah. Cool. Let's do this. Then. <clears throat> And now, it's time for True Crime's Hottest Game Show. Frazzle! Fran! Frazzle Fran, Frazzle Fran, solves a riddle like no one can. If he fails, that's okay, he's a superstar either way. Look out, it's time to Frazzle Fran. That's right, folks. Happy 2019, and welcome to the very first episode of Frazzle Fran, the new season. I'm Alvin Williams, and on this episode, as with all episodes, we will try to frustrate, flummox, and frazzle my partner in true crime, Fran So Evans. Fran, are you ready to be frazzled? Let's get it. Now, as per usual with the new format, I will first read you the case. Okay. You will, I will then tell you what I need you to solve in the case. Okay. And then I will provide you the clues. All right. All right. Are you familiar with the rules? So you read the case. I'm going to read the case. I'm going to ask you what, what, do I you, need, what do you need to solve, to solve and then I'll provide then you with the clues. clues. Okay, gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> Nina and Maya are making a fortune in real estate. Very mm-hmm. applicable to your 2019 resolution. Yes, sir. Even though Nina never breaks the law, she is sent to jail. Mm. Maya follows the same procedures as Nina with many of the same properties, but she never goes to jail. Mm. The mystery I need you to solve? Why did Nina go to jail, and what is the maximum amount of time she could spend there? Now, I'm not going to fault you if you can't answer the second part. <laughs> You'll get bonus points. All right. And points provide you with being able to take one of the one of uh, um, Kelly Rule's 
beautiful snacks that she okay. does. Here are your clues. Nina's sentence is the same for the others in her circumstance. So everybody always gets the same time in jail. Mm-hmm. Nina never had a trial before she was instructed to go to jail. So she just went straight to jail, no trial. Nina never leaves her home when she goes to jail. Nina didn't collect any money on her way to jail. Nina needs a good role, not parole. And Nina has been in jail before. So, why did Nina go to jail, and what is the maximum amount of time she could spend in jail? Again, the second part is just bonus. All right, so what's the first part? Why did Nina go to jail? Oh, why did she go to jail? Hmm. Can I read the clues again? What? I will read the clues one more time. (laughs) I think you're going to get it if I read them one more time, but I'll read them again. Nina's sentence is the same for the others in her circumstance. So everybody gets the same penalty. Right. Nina never had a trial before she was instructed to go to jail. Nina never leaves her home when she goes to jail. Mm -hmm. Nina didn't collect any money on her way to jail. Nina needs a good role, Mm -hmm. not parole. And Nina has been in jail before. Why did Nina go to jail, and what is the maximum amount of time she could spend there? Because she's on house arrest. Wow. Um, I'm I'm just going to... Final answer? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You failed. I read the clues for you twice, <laughs> man. No, Nina was playing Monopoly. Nina was playing Monopoly and she landed on the square that says go to jail and she could spend up to three turns in jail. She needs a good role, not parole. Nah. She didn't get to collect any money on her way to jail. Didn't ring a bell at all. <laughs> I did not Have you ever played Monopoly? That's my favorite game. It's your favorite game? I didn't even think. That wasn't even. That <laughs> wasn't even. No. She was on house arrest? No, that wasn't even. <laughs> Just to entertain the brain of Fran. Just just, just to really get dive in. Okay. Because one of these clues, I can see how you could go there, right? She doesn't leave her home when she goes to jail. Yeah. What did you think she needs a good role, not parole mean? You just I, didn't even put any nope. stake. You didn't even think about it. Nope. What about the part where it says uh, Nina didn't have... collect any money on her way to jail? Did you just think, like, she didn't get to get her um, real estate money? from? Didn't even think about not it. Not even close. <laughs> I didn't think of dice, roll, game, board game. Nope. None of that can cross my mind at all. Well, folks, Fred has been frazzled for the first time in 2019. That was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> I just didn't get it. <laughs> you didn't get it. <laughs> for, your favorite, a, for your favorite game. That was a good one. I uh, like we've that begun one. eating snacks. Things have spiraled out of yeah. control. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to call it a wrap. Friend, um, folks, 2019. 2019 is going to be a big year for affirmative murder. Yep. We appreciate you guys taking this ride with us. We appreciate you guys learning with us. We appreciate you guys accepting that we are idiots, but we are willing to learn from anything that anybody wants to teach us about, but we are not going to not speak on things that we feel passionate about. And if we're wrong, we're always willing to hear why we're wrong and change our stance on it if we are proven to be that. So um, I'd I'd like to continue to do that more in 2019. I'd like to continue to hear people's stories and understand the world a little bit better that we live in, in this this construct that we call society. And um, with that being said, Welcome to 2019. Fran, let's keep killing it in 2019. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.
Konnichiwa, bitches. All right. I'm saying that for now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park